Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spooky Chicks and Horror Flicks. <laughs> we are your hosts, Emma. I'm Allie. <laughs> if you are not familiar with who we are, we are two best friends who are pretty spooky, if I do say so myself, and we love horror films and drinking together while talking about our favorite horror films. And speaking of horror films, today we're reviewing the 2014 film Tusk. Tusk. And before we get into this, I want to give you all, y'all, 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 a spoiler alert. If you haven't seen this and don't want to get spoiled, go watch it and then come back to us. But if you don't give a fuck, then keep listening and we'll take you on this journey with us. Yes, come, come. The reason that we are reviewing Tusk today is this is a very special film dedicated to one of our top patrons, Dana. And Dana is awesome. She is one of our biggest fans, I would say. And one thing that I think is really awesome, she listens with her husband, Brad, and she tells us that we are continually just making their day and making them laugh and that they have just been really enjoying the podcast quite a bit. So thank you, Dana and Brad. This goes out to you guys. We hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah. And thank you, Dana and Brad. This is my first time watching it and kind of fucked me up a little bit. So (laughs) can't wait to talk about it. And speaking of Patreon, too, um, I know we've been talking the last couple episodes about kind of restructuring our Patreon a little bit and just wanted to go over some things that we're going to be having on our Patreon. So as we kind of update the levels in the next month, we are going to be having some benefits that include like ad free streaming, some deleted portions of the episode. We'll also be kind of sharing mine and Ali's film notes, which (laughs) if you can imagine, are vastly different <laughs> and a little wild and a little on my wild <laughs> and yeah so we're actually like really really excited about that and excited to kind of bring you guys some more like beneficial content to everyone who is a patreon subscriber so and beyond that we're going to do some trivia episodes and you can expect those coming in march and it's going to be like a head-to-head imagine emma and i in a <laughs> ring just gloves on gloves on about <laughs> horror movie trivia and the first one we're gonna do is gonna cover maybe 10 or so movies we've already reviewed in our previous episodes so can't wait to get in the ring with us on that too and hopefully maybe we'll like give somebody a belt like we should make a belt oh my god that's a great producer write that down producer write that write down, that down. <laughs> but again look forward to that in march i'm kind of nervous because my brain doesn't retain any information <laughs> And we've been doing this for several months, so it'll be great. (laughs) I know. I'm actually kind of nervous, too. I'm like, do I need to study? On that note, Emma, what the fuck have you been up to? (laughs) Well, it was just Valentine's Day. The producer and I went to a lovely little hockey game where we spent too much money on alcohol and had some shitty arena food. But... Sounds amazing. That's actually like kind of our perfect night. So it was it was pretty good. Except we did come home and find that cowboy, my dog. He ate the lenses to my glasses, just the lenses. If you guys can imagine that, he left the frames completely intact. Yeah, it was it was a sight to see. We couldn't find any remnants of the lenses, so the the only logical place is that they are in his tummy. That was his (laughs) Valentine's Day candy. It was, exactly. Crunch, crunch, crunch. (laughs) Speaking of Valentine's Day, my sweet Kevin and I went to fucking Applebee's. (laughs) 
I want everyone to know Allie is on an Applebee's kick. I love Applebee's. I love Chili's. I love Cheesecake Factory. Give me a fucking chain restaurant and I will fuck it up. The vibes are immaculate. So that's why. So that's what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it was the perfect Valentine's Day. You know, it's a Wednesday. Like, what the fuck are we to do? I love that. Happy Valentine's Day. It was amazing. I had a whole bowl of queso to myself. It was great. We got a cheers. So what are you drinking, Emma? Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. You're going to laugh actually drinking a White Claw Surge today. It's those fat blue cans that are 8% alcohol. So just keep an eye out on me throughout this episode is all I have to say. <laughs> what are you drinking, Allie? Well, what the fuck do you think I'm drinking? <laughs> I'm drinking a White Claw, but why Why am I wasting my time on these 5% little <laughs> alcohol cans? I thought it was an energy drink, so that's why I haven't been drinking it. It's definitely confusing marketing with it saying Surge because like you would think maybe that has some energy in it, but the producer did let us know that they have actually outlawed caffeine in alcoholic beverages because of pretty for, much four for locos. <laughs> so. oh, oh, high school. Actually, I've never had a four loco. That's a fun fact. Oh, really? I know. <laughs> well, consider yourself lucky. Thank you. Well, we're both lucky. So cheers. Cheers to episode 16. So getting into our synopsis of the film today, a brash and arrogant podcaster gets more than he bargained for when he travels to Canada to interview a mysterious recluse who has a rather disturbing fondness for walruses. Um, I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah, that's so <laughs> accurate, but very fucking weird synopsis. And also these themes of recluse. We're going to, you're oh, going to hear about this a little Emma. more in the film. I know. I just made that connection Holy just shit. now. That's I know. an amazing connection. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> but what's sad about this film, it's probably like the lowest one we've done so far in terms of an IMDb score. It got a 5.3 out of 10, which is not terrible. That is over 50%. (laughs) What would be that? No, that's an F. That's That's an an F. F. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was the IMDb. And on Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter was 46. And the audience score was 36. What? I know. And you know what's crazy is I, me being the little bitch I am, that would be on track with me normally. But I think for... I think this deserves a higher score. I think so too. I think people don't really understand it because it is so out there. But that's one of the things I think that sets it apart is like, it's so different. It is not just your cookie cutter. Oh my God, there's a ghost in the house and it's tormenting the family. No offense. Like we just did Sinister and that's kind of the whole like premise around that. But there's so many (laughs) horror films that follow kind of the same formula, right? Where this is so out of the box and like... (laughs) I never, until watching this film, was scared of someone maybe capturing me and turning me into a walrus. I haven't. Okay, well, I have a couple connections. We'll get there. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, but talking more about the film, it came out about 10 years ago. That's disgusting. I know. That's gross. It's grossing me out. Ali, do you want to talk a little bit about who directed this film? And wrote it. And wrote it. Yes, Yes. that is correct. It was my husband, Kevin. 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 Hi, I'm Kevin. (laughs) So this film was directed by Kevin Much, who is in our very own recording studio right now. I'm on cloud nine because that was my husband, Kevin, who made his very first cameo on this podcast. But it was actually Kevin Smith who wrote and directed this. Thank you so much, Kevin. Yeah. Help me. (laughs) Kevin, blink twice if you need help. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. Anyways... We're going to get into our top build cast, starting out strong and hot. 
with Justin Long, our main man, who plays Wallace Brighton. Oh, yes, he does. And we over here at Spooky Chicks and Horror Flicks are huge fans of Justin Long. He is in quite a few notable horror films, including Jeepers Creepers, one of my faves, Drag Me to Hell, Barbarian, and he was also in the most recent new adaptation of the Goosebumps series. And it's kind of meta, but Justin Long also has a podcast with his brother, which is called Life is Short. And why it's meta is because this movie is heavily influenced about podcasts. So kind of crazy. Yeah. And it's also, it's a good podcast. Check it out. We also have Michael Parks, who plays Howard Howe. And RIP Michael Parks, Mm -hmm. he did pass away in 2017, just a few years after this film was done. But he's in films that you might know, like Red State, Kill Bill Volume 2, Planet Terror, and Django Unchained. So he's he's a Quentin Tarantino man. He is. And he was also born on May 9th, <gasps> which, is, is which is my birthday. Ali's origin day. That is my origin day. <laughs> and something kind of fun is Kevin Smith said that he wrote this role for Michael Parks. And if he had turned it down, they wouldn't have made this film. Wait, I love that. I yeah. did not know that at all. That's God, amazing. Don't you want that kind of loyalty? Yeah, I want someone to write something for me. I wrote you every day. <laughs> I wrote you every day for a year. Okay. We won't get into the notebook. Anyways. We also have Haley Joel Osment in this film who plays Teddy Craft. And you guys all know Mr. Osment from films like The Sixth Sense, AI, Artificial Intelligence. He, as an adult, has also been in things that we love, like What We Do in the Shadows, the show. And he has a ton of film credits under his belt. He's not always like the main star, but I will say for being like a child actor to where he is now, I'm really like proud of him. No, same. Also, I love him in Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, which you can find on Netflix. It's a Ted Bundy film. Weirdly, have I seen that? Is that the one with Zac Efron? Yes, it's the one oh. with Lily Collins, Zac Efron. Okay, I have seen that. And then we have Genesis Rodriguez, who plays Ali Leon. And Ali. It's kind of... I will Ali, get- Ali, 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 Ali. That me. I will get confused throughout this film because all of my notes say Allie and they spell the same way as I spell my name. So I apologize <laughs> in advance. And then rounding it out, Johnny Depp playing Guy Lapon. Nice. Did I do a good job? Nice. <laughs> and uh, he plays kind of like the detective, the French Canadian detective in this film. And y'all know Johnny in many different ways. If you don't know, we have a problem. And I can't help you. If if you don't know, I suggest that you educate yourself real quick because you're listening to a movie review podcast and it may do you some good to just, you know, get some more films under your belt. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> we fuck with Johnny Depp. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Johnny fucking Depp. Johnny fucking Depp. And something I thought was kind of fun is Quentin Tarantino was actually offered this film before Johnny. Oh, yes, I did hear about that. Yeah. And can you imagine this role? No, Johnny is so like he's made so, for it. He's so good. And the connections throughout are amazing. But we fucking love Johnny Depp. Yep. Love it. And then getting into some kind of like fun facts and basic info about the film. So this film, as Ali and I've kind of already alluded to a little bit, is so weird out there, different and in all the best and maybe worst ways. But the idea for this film actually came during the recording of Kevin Smith's podcast called Smodcast. And it was episode 259, if you want to go back and listen, called The Walrus and the Carpenter. And Smith actually told all of his Twitter followers during like that episode, 
he kind of like talked about the conceptualization of this film and like this idea and him and his co-host kind of went back and forth and they told their Twitter followers after this, you guys tweet hashtag walrus yes or hashtag walrus no whether you think like we should make this into a film. And he found that the vast majority of the following actually agreed that the film should be made. And that's literally what dictated it. But the vast majority did not agree on Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb scores. (laughs) The the data is showing us. Yeah. (laughs) But this is actually part of a, what is called a True North trilogy by Kevin Smith. So this was the first part of that trilogy, Tusk. And the second part is Yoga Hosers, which I saw. Did you see it? I've never seen it. I didn't even know it was a film um, until I did a little more research on Tusk. The the only reason I saw it was because I knew Kevin Smith was involved and Johnny Depp's daughter was also in it. Also, Kevin Smith's daughter was in it. But Kevin Smith, if you're listening, I love you. Didn't like the movie. I'm so sorry. And then the third part was Moose Jaws, which he explained as Jaws, but with a moose. And they've been trying to make it since like literally 2016 and 2020. Like they keep trying to make it. Still hasn't been made. And I don't <laughs> think it will be. So yeah, let's put our prayers out into the to the movie gods that maybe that gets made one day. And then another fun fact that I have too, which is I love because this band is one of my favorite bands of all time, is that it's actually said that most of the budget on this film was actually used to obtain the rights to use the song Tusk by Fleetwood Mac, which I love and makes me love Kevin Smith that much more because if I was in his position, I would be putting all of my budget towards that as well. I mean, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> I would do the same. Do the exact same. Allie and I are aligned. Yes. And I read this, but I don't know if this actually factual is it says that this movie was shot in 15 days. Yes, I read that too. I find that kind of unbelievable because of the amount of prosthetics that were potentially they probably just made the most of it and like while he was walrus they really tried to make the most of every scene but like fuck that's <laughs> that's a hustle right there i wonder who owns that walrus suit now someone's me. got to it's me you yeah <laughs> ali is here actually across from me in and a walrus suit i am currently in the walrus suit and i actually refer to it in the film as a meat sack mm, okay i like it I like so it. if i say that that's what i'm referring to <laughs> But kind of also interesting is the inspiration. They thought about this film because it's inspired by a fake online ad that was offered. Like basically they it's a real thing that like they saw online, like creepypasta. And then the dude that actually made that kind of creepypasta after the movie came out and was like, oops, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Before we jump into the whole ass movie that we're about to cover... The whole ass, not, the whole not a ass. half ass. The it's whole. not a half ass, it's a whole. Whole ass. Let's talk about some initial thoughts before we even saw the film, like looking at the movie poster and the trailer. What did you expect to see in this film? This is such a great question because I can definitely say now after watching, it did not line up with my first thoughts at all. I think looking at like the movie poster and for those of you that haven't seen it, it's Justin Long's face with like a very red background and he has these two kind of tusks sort of coming out of his face and don't know why I was like feeling some sort of weird cannibalistic tribal vibes like maybe I don't really know honestly it almost gave me like the green inferno vibes like a tiny bit do you know what I mean because of all the bones like that tribes like use and obviously there's a lot of different like uses for them I obviously was completely wrong with how it turned (laughs) out but those were kind of some of my first impressions was like Justin Long is fucked and he's been trapped by someone who is 
killing him with tusks, essentially. Same here. I didn't I didn't get that green inferno, but now that you say that, that's that makes sense. I kind of thought based on the trailer, it, like I got the comedic kind of stuff too, and just how Justin Long was gonna be a pompous ass. He plays it so well too. And sorry, let me preface too, I did not even watch the trailer. So this was oh. like first, first impressions, like just off the movie poster. <laughs> well, based just off the movie poster, I was like, no fucking clue. And then I watched the, the trailer. Yeah. And then I was like, oh fuck, we're gonna see some weird ass shit here. And we did. And we did. And we're <laughs> gonna talk about it right now. <laughs> All right, fuckers, we're gonna get right into this film. And we start off by hearing Wallace, aka Justin Long and Teddy, aka Haley Joel Osment, and they're they're doing their podcast, which is called How do you pronounce it, Emma? <laughs> it's not Nazi party, party, but it's spelled like N O T S E E party. And that's so problematic for like a Many lot of reasons. Di- yes. And so they're doing their back and forth banter talking about this viral kid who basically doing some kind of dance and it's called the kill bill kid and he accidentally cuts his leg off with a saber yeah he has a saber or like yeah i think it's a saber and yeah not a, not a lightsaber like a like an actual like a sword sword yeah yeah and he's doing some sword work i guess we could say and he cuts off his own leg and so i think that their podcast is like they just it's like a comedy podcast and they like watch videos that they think are funny and then comment on them so this is like one of those videos but they also go and then like apparently interview some of those people but also emma does this make you kind of scared because we have a podcast (laughs) i was like oh like i mean one of the first things i noticed was the great mic awareness of teddy's character and wallace is horrible and he has a pop filter if you guys know what that is and he doesn't use it at all and i need a pop filter so give that to me if you're not going to freaking use it well he's not going to use it obviously (laughs) anymore and we'll tell you why later yep but also low-key does justin long look good with a mustache i think he looks hot i mean i think like justin long is hot all the time yeah so i think yeah i do kind of think like he looks great (laughs) this is really funny i also think that he's super hot in zach and mary make a porno if you've seen that oh my gosh like deep voice i can't even like redo it no i know i he is fantastic. He plays like a he plays a gay <laughs> porn star in that film, and I love him. He <laughs> is the fan- best. He's fantastic in that, and he's also fantastic in For a Good Time Call. Go check him out. But moving on, I love him with his mustache. I'm into it, and I also just noticed his name is Wallace Walrus. Hmm. Interesting. Might have been intentional. I'm sure it was. But yeah, so then Wallace is basically telling Teddy, he's like, we have to interview this kid that just chopped his own leg off. So Wallace is like, you know what? I think they've actually already kind of arranged for it to happen. And he tells his listeners, he's like, all right, we're going to have the Kill Bill kid on the podcast next week. Like, like, look forward to it, guys, basically, which is so wild. And then the next thing that we see essentially is that Wallace actually is on his way to Canada. So we see him in the airport. He is at customs and he's kind of like walking onto the border of Canada. And I'm like, do you get money? Like, is he paying this out of his own pocket? That's that's some commitment to go and like... Maybe that's their whole thing with their pod and maybe they're super successful. I mean, their studio seemed pretty legit. And he's with this agent who I kind of low-key love and they're having some back and forth talk and the agent is like talking about the can of do's and the can of don'ts. 
And I was like, that's so Kevin Smith centric. Like I, comedy. Yeah. yeah. And I love it. Like, this agent is comedic relief. And I lo- we see a lot of comedic relief in this movie. But I love this dude. And they start kind of talking about hockey. And Wallace doesn't follow hockey. And TSA agent is like, don't tell other Canadians that. Like, they will fuck you up. Yeah. And then I don't remember what the reference was. But the Canadian TSA agent says the USA created sadness. And I'm like, I'm not sure that you're wrong there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you might be you right. You might be right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and their their whole interaction is so awkward and I fucking love it. And then I love he says, that's why the Canadian flag is red and white because Canadians are red and white, but never blue, <laughs> which I loved. <laughs> okay. Your accent. <laughs> was that kind of good? That was pretty good. I feel like it was like kind of okay. It was like border of like, I don't know, Minneapolis and like Canada. I yeah. Don't I'm like definitely like a yeah. little bit of a hybrid. So then Wallace now he's in Canada. He gets his rental car and he first is like straight to business. Like he drives straight to the Kill Bill kid's house. Unfortunately, when he gets there, he actually discovers that the kid has pulled the plug on himself, so to speak. And so there will be no interview. And Wallace was not made aware of this at all. And he kind of crashes the funeral, so to speak. But like way to crash a fucking memorial service. Yeah. And then basically once Wallace is like, okay, well now my entire plan of coming to Canada is ruined, he ends up at a local bar in Winnipeg and he calls Teddy to kind of tell him the whole situation. And when he is in the bar, he's kind of saying the entire thing. So when he calls Teddy, he's like, hey, fucker. And I'm like, oh, cute. He loves spooky chicks and horror flicks because that's what we say. And I'm also like, I'm pretty sure Justin Long is a first girl. Yes. Just based off of literally everything. 1,000%. And I love how much she says fuck in this voicemail to Teddy. Yeah. So he's like leaving him this huge long voicemail where he's just telling him the whole situation and he's really pissed off that he's like mad at the kid for killing himself. Sorry. Literally. Trigger warning there. Or he's basically just like, why did the kid have to go and off himself? Like, you know. He's like, couldn't you wait two fucking days? (laughs) And I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's not in great taste. And then actually when Wallace is in the bar restroom, he is looking up at a cork board as he's literally like at the urinal. And he sees a very interesting kind of like almost full letter, but it's technically kind of an advertisement on the cork board that basically is a person who is looking for someone to stay at their house and kind of help with some household duties in exchange for a free stay. And, and a, a lifetime of stories. Yeah, essentially he has a lot of stories to tell and he's been on a lot of adventures and he just kind of wants someone to like tell these things to and so of course Wallace is immediately intrigued he is thinking in his head you can see kind of like the wheels are spinning the gears are turning as he's kind of thinking "Ooh, how can I take advantage of this potentially for the podcast and maybe I can like interview this dude yeah because he's like fuck this Kill Bill kid is no longer here I still need a show this week but like that's the reddest flag is to take a flyer from the bathroom of a random dive bar I love me a dive bar i'm not taking a fucking flyer and then going to interview them potentially also and maybe because it's just that we're women but like i just would never go to someone a totally different person's house than was originally intended and then not tell someone my exact address or share my location with them or say hey i'm gonna go check this like kind of interesting advertisement slash meet this man if you don't hear from me in like four hours, like literally call the police. Four hours, dude? <laughs> Probably less, but just saying. We all know I'd be dead by now. Oh, so. <laughs> so Even before we get to this house. 
So obviously Wallace goes and he decides to look into this man and he connects with Mr. Howard Howe. Desperate for content, essentially, Wallace is like, you know what? Like, I think I can use Mr. Howe and maybe some content that he can provide. And uh, he decides to kind of move forward with it and try to see if he can find this man. He's like, let's do this tonight, brah. Yeah. He's like, that's a fast. That's a fast turnaround. So good on both of them for fast transactions of communication. Totally. Respect. Respect. So Wallace is like, yo, let's go. He starts his travels. He stops at a convenience store. We see him like eyeing these big ass fucking... It's like a big gulp. Big big gulp. (laughs) I, I, I refer to them as big gulps because I don't really know what else they would be called. Big gulps, huh? See you later. later. (laughs) Dumb and dumber. Yes. (laughs) I'm so glad that you just went with that. (laughs) Of course I know that. So Wallace, homie, is getting his fucking big gulp and Doritos or whatever the fuck he wants. And he goes to the checkout counter and we see this one young woman and then another woman comes up. They're, They're the two young women from Yoga Hosers and it's Lily Rose Depp. And then Kevin Smith's daughter as well. And they they star in that movie, which is the second in the trilogy of this whole thing. And And, uh, Kevin Smith's daughter's name is Harley Quinn, because that is his favorite character. In real life? Yes. 100%. Are you fucking kidding me? I'm not joking you. I am 100% serious. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> but they're both like, fuck Americans. This is this is whack. Well, he, well, he asks, how the fuck far is... Uh, Bifrost, right? Isn't is that, that what it's called? Yeah, Bifrost. And they say it's like two fucking hour. It's a it's a boot two hours. And he like writes down. He's on the phone with Mr. Howe and he like writes down the address. And so he's like telling Mr. Howe, Howard, he's like, all right. Well, I mean, they're telling me here at the at the clerk stand clerk. <laughs> he's like, they're telling me it's about two hours away. Like I'm writing your address now and I will be there. Something of note which I love, is the entire back wall behind the clerk desk is not liquor. It's all maple syrup. I did not notice that at all. And I love that you noticed that. (laughs) That is actually amazing. I don't even fucking like maple syrup. I do. Oh, damn. That's good. That's crazy. You didn't notice. (laughs) And then we're getting back on the road. Yeah, so next thing, Wallace is arriving at this mansion with this giant gate in the front that says Pippi Hill. And he meets Howard Howe, who is played by Michael Parks. And he kind of just starts chatting him up and they start to just kind of get to know each other. Why is Wallace there in Canada? What is Mr. Howe doing here? And kind of what is he looking for? And Howard actually starts to kind of tell him about some of his adventures. Because again, if you guys can picture, this is like a very old mansion kind of looking place with a lot of different artwork, a lot of artifacts, different novelties that he has around the home that kind of outline all of the different adventures that he's had. It's giving Jumanji and Haunted Mansion. And something of note is Mr. Howe is in a wheelchair. He's seemingly confined to a wheelchair and that's why he's put in his note in a fucking dive bar. How did he put it on a cork board above a urinal? Just think about in a, that. Just in a dive bar. In a dive bar. Think about it. But anyways, think he's... a boot it. Think about it. Boot it and toot it. Is that a song? Toot it and boot it. Toot it boot it. Oh, college. You make it feel stupid. So he's in a wheelchair from the beginning of when they meet. So keep that in mind. Howard asks him if he can kind of prepare some tea for the both of them. And he's like, 
can I get you something to drink? And <laughs> Wallace is like, yeah, of course, but can I use your bathroom first? And he kind of points to his big gulp, like I chug this thing down basically on the way here and need to use your facilities. <laughs> and then he goes to the bathroom and while Wallace Wallace is in there, he he's kind of like looking around and there's weird stuff even like in the bathroom. I don't know. I just think it's like, you know, Wallace is sort of like, sort of like okay, this is a, an eclectic guy and he's got a lot of things just like around his home. And obviously his note said he's in a wheelchair, so he needs help kind of like taking care of this like massive property. They make a point of taking the time to make a shot of him turning a weird doll around. And I'm like, what was the point of that? So then as Wallace kind of comes back from using the restroom, Howard has the tea all prepared, which like, how did he get that so fast? Anyways, um, (laughs) Wallace tells Howard that his note that he found in the restroom really intrigued him. And he he, he even jokes, he's like, I was a little bit freaked out to kind of drive somewhere in the middle of the woods at night, but he's making this light joke of it. And you can tell that Wallace is already trusting Howard more than he probably should. And Wallace kind of explains to him, he's like, I'm a podcaster and the, these are the, some certain things that we tend to do and cover on the podcast. But like, I was really intrigued by your note. And so I'd love to hear maybe some of your stories. And then he kind of just like compliments the tea also that Howard made him and says that it's the best tea that he's ever had. I wouldn't say like he trusts Howard. I think he's just too cocky to even be like have a guard up. But he like you said, he's like, bro, this tea is fire in so many words. Yeah, and- it's like he's just seeing content. Like yeah. in his eyes, he's like, I can use this guy for content. Tunnel vision. Yeah. His vision is getting more followers and doing the podcast ship and is giving almost sinister vibes. Like, could this be poisoned? If you haven't listened to our last episode, go listen to it right now because we talk about this. Yep. Mm. Emma's choking because I poisoned her. Oh my God. Just a little sleepy. It was just chamomile. So then as they're kind of back together and Howard and Wallace are just doing their chit chat, Howard starts telling Wallace of some experience that he has actually knowing Ernest Hemingway because he says an Ernest Hemingway quote and Wallace is like, oh, that's Ernest Hemingway. And then he basically says like, well, I know him. He actually said the quote to me. And then Wallace is hugely, hugely impressed. And Ali, you have the quote written down, right? Yes. And this quote kind of, I don't know, didn't resonate, but it kind of did. And it is, only do sober what you do drunk. It will teach you to keep your mouth shut. Ooh. Yeah. Take notes, everyone. (laughs) Take notes, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he, he is impressed that he's like, oh, fucking shit. It's Hemingway and you met him and blah, blah, blah. And I know I cuss a lot, but I don't think I would ever be using such vulgar language in front of somebody I'd like literally just met and wanted to have respect me. So that was kind of weird to me is that he was just so like liberal with his language. Yeah, Wallace definitely has his like guard down in terms of being a little bit more polished, I would say. And Howard actually starts telling Wallace, too, of his experience, like knowing Ernest Hemingway and how this quote kind of came to be. And he was actually working on a ship that Ernest Hemingway was on back in Normandy before D-Day. And so they go down this like rabbit hole of this story. And as they're kind of talking to Wallace is getting up and he's starting to admire some of the things that are around the mansion. And one of the first things he sets his eye on is he sees this kind of weird looking long shaft phallic shaft <laughs> of like a, a statue kind of and wallace is like mm, what is this and howard's like that is a baculum of a walrus and wallace is like okay well what is that exactly and he says a walrus cock <laughs> but like i didn't know that walruses had like bones in their penises yeah he basically says it's the bone of the penis 
of a walrus. And this this is such a it reminds me of in Vanderpump Rules for those who yes. watch how Tom Sandoval has the penis flute. Yes. Wallace takes it off of the shelf and starts like playing around with it. And I'm like, I would never, ever, ever take something that looks remotely. Like an- I would never even like take it. He's any- like, he's like, may I? Yeah. <laughs> he tries to take it on. I'm like, oh my God. And he starts like basically jacking it off. Um, Howard tells him kind of where this came to be. And he says, I was actually lost at sea at one point in the southern coast of Serbia. And I think he was in the military or something. And he he says that they were all in search of the Siberian Great White, the quote unquote, the whale eater. Yeah. And he doesn't really say like why they were looking for the Great White specifically. For some reason, that was their mission. And he says that in the middle of the night, he actually was lost at sea and he was separated from the rest of his shipmates. He was stranded and he actually came in contact with a walrus and was essentially kind of enchanted by his presence. The walrus essentially kind of like rescued him in a way. Literally rescued him and he named him Mr. Tuskegee. 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 Yes. (laughs) Trust me. I have a couple screws loose and I name a lot of things. So I get it. And then he says he kind of abbreviates it to Mr. Tusk. Mr. Tusk. And he goes on to say that this walrus, Mr. Tusk, who saved him, was the most beautiful thing and the most fulfilling friendship he's ever had, man or animal or whatever. So we know that he has this deep relationship with Mr. Tusk and just walruses in general, but specifically Mr. Tusk. And as Howard is kind of telling this story, you can tell that Wallace is getting more and more inebriated. He looks like he's drunk. He's kind of stammering a little bit and he tries to kind of stand up and he actually falls down. And we can gather that Howard has drugged Wallace with the tea that he served him. And right before the scene kind of ends, we see Howard kind of bend down and says, it'll be all right, Mr. Tusk, which is so foreshadowing to what's to come. Like, fuck my shit. I would <laughs> I would just be like, all right, just, just kill me. But... <laughs> And then this next scene here is we actually get a flashback of Wallace and his lady, Ale. That me. (laughs) Before he actually goes to Canada. And they are, you know, in bed together, maybe post-coital, as Ale would say. I think they were mid-coital. Maybe mid. And they're kind of just chatting. And Ale's like, I just think it's a little bit in poor taste that you would go and visit this, like, Kill Bill kid to, like, essentially kind of make fun of him and sort of exploit him. And she's sort of talking about... You can tell that Ali has been with Wallace for a while from before he started this podcast that he has this show with Teddy to now. And she's kind of saying, like, I really miss like the old you. Meanwhile, she's still being a good girlfriend and she doesn't want him to go to Canada, like Emma said, and make fun of this kid. And he keeps saying it's for the show. It's for the show. I'm not doing this to make fun of him. It's for the show. She's like, I fell in love with the old Wallace. And like, and he was like, oh, okay. Well, the old Wallace was a loser, didn't have fucking money and endorsements. And I'm like, oof, ouch. Yeah, not a great look when you're trying to convince your girlfriend why the new Wallace is better than the old one. Yeah. Um, and then she like straight up is like, well, can I go to Canada with you? And then she makes this, or he makes this kind of interesting comment where he says that, no, I can't. Teddy gets kind of weird and jealous. He gets jealous that you're going to take your girlfriend on a trip because it's kind of implied throughout the film that Teddy does not like to travel. So he does not go with Wallace at all to these different interviews. And I think I actually read it somewhere when I was doing research for this film that it's actually based on, I think, Kevin Smith's co-host, 
Ralph. He also does not like to travel by plane. So then the next morning, Wallace wakes up and he finds himself incapacitated and he's sitting in a wheelchair with a blanket over his lap. And he sees Howard kind of like across this very large room, kind of empty room. And Howard is smoothing out a walrus tusk. Yeah, I would, I would say. say it was like kind of sexual, almost very sexual. Yeah. yeah. And Howard, as as Wallace is kind of coming to Howard is like, you really scared me last night, you passed out. And uh, Howard tries to play it off like it was all accidental. And he's trying to tell Wallace that, you know, he saw a brown recluse spider crawl out of Wallace's pant leg and that it must have bitten him and he passed out. And Wallace is very confused. He's obviously groggy, kind of coming out of this like drugged state. And he's like, well, where's my phone? Like, can I get my phone? And Howard is essentially like, well, you can't have access to your phone because unfortunately it was accidentally broken by the doctor, Dr. Moussier. <laughs> what the fuck kind of doctor breaks a fucking iPhone? Yeah, it's really weird. And they kind of go back and forth a little bit. And Wallace is just trying to gather information on what the hell happened to him. And Howard is just dancing around every answer. And he's like, what doctor? What do you mean? He's like, can I can I talk to the doctor? And Howard's like, oh, no, he's making his rounds. And it's like, he's like, okay. his rounds in the middle of fucking nowhere in like Bifrost or wherever he is. Is that what it's called? I keep forgetting. I don't know. I think so. Howard is also like, here's your big gulp, bitch. Like, oh, yeah. He makes sure he's got that at least. <laughs> Comfort. <laughs> And Wallace actually, unfortunately, kind of looks down at his legs because he's like, why can't I feel my legs? And he actually sees that his left leg has been cut off at the knee and he's freaking out. Howard is like, yeah, bro, we had to kind of fucking save your life at the last minute because it would have killed you with the brown recluse bite. So bummer for you, but... But like, you're fine. Look. But like, look, you're in a wheelchair, but like, you got it. You got your big gulp. You got one leg. And then Wallace is still kind of freaking out and he's like asking to speak to the doctor or his family. He's like, I need to get on some sort of a phone. And I forget exactly what Howard says, but he essentially says that, oh, all of the phones have been removed from yeah. the house. <laughs> Based on the doctor's orders, the doctor was like, nah, no phones. What the fuck kind of doctor would say that? And yeah. also he's kind of taking it, maybe it's because of like the morphine, but he's taking it much better than I would if I would have a amputated leg. Same. I have the exact same thoughts there. This is like a fear of mine. This is what triggers me is like, holy fuck, he's missing a limb. Yeah. Yeah. So then later on that evening, they're having supper. And Wallace can't even move his arms to even eat anything because he's quote unquote on morphine. And that's what Howard says. Wallace is like, I can't move my arms. And he can't even reach his little fucking big gulp. Yeah. <laughs> well, see you later. <laughs> and then Wallace starts to kind of catch on to like what is happening. He's, he's starting to come to a little bit, even though he's got that morphine in his system. He's like, there was probably no freaking brown recluse. Like, you're lying. And he actually starts yelling at Howard. And he's like, you are a psycho. And he's screaming. And then Howard, reminder, Howard was in a wheelchair when Wallace first met him the night previously. He was definitely in a wheelchair. So what happens? Who who can suddenly uh, walk, Emma? As Wallace is yelling, Howard gets up out of his chair and walks over to Wallace and smacks him in the face. 
And this is the first time that you're like, oh, fuck, that guy can walk. Okay. And then he starts to talk about walrus. walrus that's a hard for me to say. Walruses some more. And Howard's like, dude, bro, guess what? I have an awesome walrus suit that you can fit in with a few modifications. So, and I'm like, okay, alteration king, go off. <laughs> he almost says it like it's a quote. He's like, is a man indeed a walrus at heart? And then Wallace starts screaming and Howard is just mocking him, which is so frightening because I feel like that is one of the biggest things. Let's say your your fear is being trapped by someone, being captured somewhere. And Wallace is screaming, but there's no one around to hear him. You know, and even Howard is like mocking his screaming because he's like, you can scream all you want, but like no one's going to come rescue you. The mocking screaming sounds kind of like reminded me of Buffalo Bill. Like, uh, uh, oh, my like, God, that's so true. Yeah. Sorry, I keep going back to old episodes no, and I films, it. but well, it's we like, just researched like so much of these films yeah. that we can really make those like connections. But later. he's probably influenced a lot of this is he's just literally mocking Justin Long as he's fucking freaking the fuck out as anybody would. And he's like, Bruh. So then back at home, we have this shot of Allie, and it's actually a really great kind of monologue from her. It's very, very close up on her face. And I thought she was like trying to run lines for a second. No, I know. Totally. I was like, it was kind of weird. <laughs> but it's very, very close up on her. And she is talking to someone and she's crying. And she's talking about how basically like Wallace cheats on her and she just like can't believe it. She's talking about some of the women that Wallace cheats on her with. And we can kind of gather by what she's talking about that she's speaking to a person that she's also potentially having an affair with. And she even says a couple of things like, I feel bad sometimes that we're like doing this to him, but then I don't feel bad because of like what he's doing to me, essentially. And then before we actually see the person that she's talking to, we see a flashback of Teddy and Wallace and they're recording the podcast and they're actually talking about Allie after they've like wrapped up an episode. And it's actually kind of funny, but Teddy is like, well, I'm going to take your significant other to the Getty Museum while you are in Canada. And essentially kind of like, I treat her freaking better than you do. And you're off with all these girls and like doing God knows what. And you have this hot piece of ass, Allie, who is at home and would do anything for you. And I'm like, there's such clear, at least on Teddy's end, there's such clear resentment. And she is very attractive. So like, why the fuck fuck around with that? And Wallace was just like, you can't get roadhead if you're traveling all this much and like want to be good to your girlfriend. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's just not a good look. He's just kind of confirming like we already think he's kind of douchey from the beginning of the film. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, cool. You're also cheating on your girlfriend with a bunch of gals. Well, he, he wants his cake and eat it, too. Mm-hmm. And then maybe he'll have his mackerel and eat it, too. <laughs> That's a foreshadowing. Back at the mansion, we actually see the phone light up. Wallace's phone is lighting up because Allie is actually trying to call him. And he can see his phone, which I had a lot of questions about when this first happened. Because, like, didn't you take his phone? And, like, wouldn't you hide it if you said it was, like, broken by the doctor? And why is, like, the ringer on? I had a lot of questions about the phone part. Because I'm like, why is it? It was literally just sitting on a table ringing. I think it was a pivotal plot point to, like, keep it moving. Totally. And anyway, so Wallace actually tries to get to it in time before it goes to voicemail. Unfortunately, it doesn't. And he tries to call Allie back. Well, and now he can use his hands. So let's keep that in mind. Now he can use his hands. So the morphine's kind of wearing off. And he calls Allie back and leaves her a message. And we actually see it now on the other side. In Allie's perspective, it is charging in her bathroom. Who charges their phone in their bathroom overnight, by the way? Not me. And not anyone I know. If you do, I'm sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> and as she's charging it, we actually get a glimpse into the bedroom of kind of who she's was talking to previously about like the affair. And it is in fact, Teddy. So if you didn't guess it already, it seems to be implied that she is having an affair with Teddy and they're both kind of sleeping together behind Wallace's back. He's a long voicemail person. So he'd be fucked on my end because I don't really listen to voicemails. Sorry, mom. But he's like whispering and leaving like, help me. I've been abducted, abducted and I need help. And he's like, I don't want to die in Canada. <laughs> he also says, I don't, I don't want to die at all. But also after that, he calls Teddy and he doesn't answer. But I'm also like, why don't you call 911? I'm not sure what Canada 911 is. It is 911. I actually looked it up because I had the same question, Allie. I was like, yes. So even the producer's like, wait, is it really? So the United States, Canada, and Mexico are all 911. But Mexico too. There's, I think there's even a couple more places that are also nine one one as well. But those are the three I know for sure. That's wild. Yeah. Good so because I looked that up and was like, I had the same question. Like, why wouldn't you call nine one one? Like, they could try to ping your cell phone. Like, that just makes no sense. But again, as the producer would say, it's a movie. So then Howard actually catches him on the phone and comes over to Wallace and knocks him completely out of his wheelchair and gets really angry with him, takes the phone away, and he tells him, you will be a walrus or nothing at all. My first girl reaction would be like, nothing at all, brah. <laughs> yeah, no, don't make me a freaking walrus. So the next morning, we're back in Allie's apartment, and clearly Teddy has spent the night with Allie. And again, who the fuck charges their phone in the bathroom? But she actually goes to check the voicemail. And now she's like, oh, fucking shit, bro, we got to go because he's in trouble. And then we go back to Howard. And this scene kind of fucks me the fuck up. This scene is heavy. This is kind of where Howard sort of begins the process of transforming Wallace into a walrus and he surgically starts to alter his body and he starts by sewing his arms to his torso and while this scene is happening it's very weird he's like in not an official surgical setting but he has surgical tools he has all of this like these posters and drawings of anatomy all over the walls and the anatomy is of like a half man half walrus hybrid and while he's doing this, he's kind of venting his little heart out and talking to his his new walrus friend, telling the story of his kind youth. of like his upbringing. Yeah, yeah, his youth. And to be honest, it was kind of long, and I don't have that much attention span, so I didn't listen that much. But basically, his parents were killed, and he was sent to an orphanage, and then he was sent to an insane asylum. And once he was in one of those institutions, he was beaten and tortured and sexually assaulted by priests, politicians, and it's fucked up. So I get, I guess that's kind of why he's a little more fucked up. Also, all of the things he has he's got a lot of trauma. He's got a lot of trauma. But what I will say, they ran amok. He mentioned amok. And shout out to Amok. We love the Sanderson sisters. We do. We are the Sanderson sisters. But he escaped all of that shit while he was 15 and ran to America. And now he's back in Canada. And then we get this wild shot of Wallace on the table. Both of his legs are gone now. And now he's just kind of being sewn up into be a walrus. Kind of looks like a little T-Rex. I think they make that note in yes. later in the film. He like has his like arms literally sewn to his torso. Like Totally. <laughs> My dog cowboy kind of lays Aww. like that on the floor. <laughs> oh, so does James. Cute. 
Howard says, it's always better to be a walrus. And I'm like, what the, how the, is it? Is it? <laughs> is it? So then at this point now, Allie and Teddy are in full rescue mode. They're actually trying to call authorities to like tell them what's going on and see if anyone can help. And they actually, (laughs) Allie is on the phone with the authorities and she's starting to describe kind of like the whole situation. Like Wallace went to Canada to do an interview for this podcast and his podcast is called Nazi Party. And Teddy is in the driver's seat and he's like, no, 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 Allie, Allie, you got to spell it. You can't just say that. And then they immediately hang up on her. Honestly, they think it's fake. (laughs) Honestly, as marketing gals, poor brand awareness right there. Such poor brand awareness. Let's not do that. Yeah. Like, no. So then back at the mansion, this is a pivotal scene. This is where it's going to fuck you up the most if you have not seen anything about this film. We get to see the first glimpse of Wallace as this human walrus hybrid. And we start to see small parts of his body at first. And imagine like human skin sewn. So like Frankenstein-esque where it has like lots of different stitches and all of that. And there's all these patches, but it's like a walrus shaped body. And then we get this amazing zoom out Mm -hmm. scene of him where he's a full on walrus. And he's even kind of grunting like an animal because we actually find out later in the film that his like tongue has been cut out. And what I will say about this basically entire film is this cinematography is pretty spot on. It, like it it drives the point home and this this scene, this shot is pretty immaculate. And we actually see Howard talking to Wallace and he has this entire full on pool and enclosure for him. I want to know how he has the money, the infrastructure, like how does how did he build this mansion with this walrus captivity center? We need a prequel. Do we? Kevin? Kevin Smith? Kevin? Kevin? Where are you? Kevin? Justin? Guy Lapon? Guy? Oh, can't wait we to get need, to Guy. We need a goddamn prequel. So, yes. Yeah, so we get this amazing shot and then we see that basically Wallace is now a walrus. That's so hard to say. <laughs> Wallace is now a walrus and he's by the pool and he is like... No, that's Chewbacca. That's Chewbacca. Sorry. And Howard, and he says, walruses never cry. And that's fucked up. And he starts to call him Mr. Tusk. Yeah. Which is so scary. And a call back to the beginning of the film. How the fuck does he know how to make somebody into a walrus? That's why we need a prequel. Thank you. I want to know more. Because that takes a lot of effort. And basically, while they're in the pool, Howard's like, bruh, I missed you, Mr. Tusk. So he's excited to have a Mr. Tusk. Again. Spooky. And then Allie and Teddy, again, as they kind of arrive in Canada, they're trying to like retrace Wallace's steps and and they end up at the Canadian police station. And while they're there, they do get, uh, you know, some information from the Canadian police force that there was actually someone who had come in previously who was sort of looking for any connection to victims that may have like lost their limbs recently. And there was just like some missing persons cases that this like PI and this detective was sort of looking for. And so the cops kind of connect Ali and Teddy with this person. And the the cop here, the Canadian cop, he is actually Ralph from the Hollywood Babylon podcast, who is Kevin Smith's friend. Oh, I, I did not know that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's him. That's him. Mm-hmm. And then for a moment back at the mansion, 
Howard actually drags Wallace by a chain into the water because he says it's very pertinent that if you are a walrus, you need to learn to swim. And while he's down learning to swim, we panicking. see panicking, obviously. Also, how is he not drowning? But he's a walrus. Now he's a walrus. So I guess you just acclimate. Do walruses breathe underwater? No? Okay. I'm clearly a sea Scientology, Scientology person. What? What is it? Bio, biolo- Marine biologist? <laughs> <laughs> Allie, I want to make it clear, Allie is not a Scientologist. She was just... I'm a- <laughs> I don't know the word. Marine biologist. Oh my God. You guys, I was a communication <laughs> major. What do you want me to do? Anyways, okay. A sea Scientologist. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So she meant a marine biologist. A marine. Everyone. I was just asking, how does he know how to <laughs> breathe underwater? And do walruses have like gills, or like do they like spend half their time? Anyways, As a sea Scientologist. Like- <laughs> you should know this. Anyways, while uh, Wallace the walrus is going to learn how to swim, he. He actually sees at the bottom of the pool in the basement that there's like a bunch of dead other walruses, RIP. And producer calls them the dead brethren, which is an accurate description. But there's a there's a couple of them. So we can t- kind of tell. And he freaks out because he, he can tell kind of now that this could be his fate. Can I tell you what this scene reminds me of? I don't know. Can you? <laughs> I hope so. This scene reminds me of Alice in Wonderland. With the walrus and the carpenter, which is actually the name of the podcast episode of Kevin Smith's that this was this film was actually based on. But anyways, like um, little oysters, little oysters. Yes. This just reminds me of those little oysters at the bottom and how the walrus and the carpenter, they go down in. And then they eat them. Talk about fucked up movies. Yeah. So that's honestly when I first knew this was about walruses. First thing I thought of. So just making that connect. Anyways, so now we're back with Allie and Teddy, and they're actually meeting up and teaming up, so to speak, with a French-Canadian detective named Guy Lepon. And this character is played by the legendary Johnny Depp. Fucking Johnny Depp, dude. Fucking Johnny Depp. And Guy has been investigating similar disappearances to kind of the experience that they're having right now with Wallace. And this is actually a fun fact for this is that Johnny Depp was actually given kind of like creative freedom within this role, similar to Michael Parks in a a scene that we're about to get into. But Johnny Depp actually improved a lot of his lines and just like his overall acting in the scenes that he's in in this film, which I thought was amazing. (laughs) It's like a mixture of Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused and Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean. And very French. And very French. With a prosthetic nose. So like also 21 Jump Street. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's Arguably. a mixture <laughs> of all of his characters, a little a little jungle juice of Johnny Depp. Ooh, I love jungle juice Johnny. I love that. <laughs> they meet at this like really random, I forget what it's called, but they meet at this weird like burger place and they are all chatting and, you know, Gee, he tells Ali and Teddy that he has been hunting this man named Howard Howe and that he believes that he may be a serial killer and that he's found various bodies with like missing body parts and 
and he's trying to kind of piece everything together, but he can't quite like nail down where this man is and goes through some of the things in his MO, like, oh, he does X, Y, Z, he does this. And I, I love this part. He says, but he don't do nothing sexy with them. <laughs> I, I clocked that too. And I'm like, that's weird to call out, but I know. okay, for <laughs> but sure. Okay, love it. And the server for the three of them is Kevin Smith's real wife. Yes, I actually did read that, which I thought was really awesome. I'm like, I love their little cameos. Yeah. Yeah. You include that family. And while he's like doing all of this like MO stuff and explaining how he feels, like he feels positive that he's close to it. They're close to it, you know? But while he's doing that, he's straight up putting booze into his fast food big gulp cup. And I'm like, is this my spirit animal true climb and putting booze in your little big goat cup? If I could describe you in one sentence, it would be that. So, yeah. Even though I just said that I love that, I don't know if that's a compliment. <laughs> or. <laughs> so anyways, so then Guy tells Ali and Teddy that about two years ago, he was actually very close to catching or at least meeting Howard Howe. And then we get this flashback and there is... <laughs> The only way I can describe it is we get this wonderful French music with this like sepia tone and he is going to this random town in Canada and he is questioning a man and oh, it's in Quebec actually or right outside of Quebec. And he's questioning this man about a missing hockey player. And he's just going around the neighborhood kind of asking questions. And we actually see that it's Howard with no facial hair. And he has a completely different accent too as well. And uh, Guy proceeds to question him on a few things about this missing hockey player. And he actually, Howard's character, he says, oh, were you were you sent out here to to get the spider out of my toilet? And there we go with the freaking spider mm-hmm. reference again. Another brown recluse spider reference. And Guy tells him, no, I wasn't I was not sent here to do anything with any spider or animal <laughs> in your vicinity. He's like, I just have a few questions about this missing person. Howard also gives him him a different name. Yes. So we don't like really know what his actual name might be. I think he says it's Moussier. But like his actual, what is his actual name if he's been totally, totally. serious? Also, his little shanty shack looks amazing. I would love to go to that shack. The one that Howard has? Oh, yes. Or Moussier. Moussier. Whoever. Moussier. I love a shack in the in the woods. You heard it here first, people. She loves this, a shack in the woods. This is why Kevin? I will die first. <laughs> She's like, ooh, cute shack in the yeah. woods. So so away from everyone and authorities. And yeah. No one could hear me scream. Me and my little crop top and my alcohol, like, woohoo, let's go. <laughs> so then, anyways, now back at the mansion, we see Howard and he... In this shot, we see that he has his shirt off and he's sitting next to Wallace on the edge of the enclosure where like the pool starts. And he's talking to him about how people are just horrible and why would anybody even want to be a human? And then then I was like, why, dude, why don't you turn your fucking self into a walrus? Great question. And then they're sitting next to each other and Howard actually tries to kind of like lay down on Wallace and he sort of lays against him. And it's really weird. You can just tell that Howard is trying to sort of recreate this like walrus relationship that he had years ago when he was lost at sea. He's like low-key cuddling with the meat sack. 
Yeah. It, of it's, Wallace. It's really weird. And then Howard ends up actually giving him a mackerel to eat. He says, oh, I'm so sorry. You must be so hungry. And then now we're back with Teddy, Allie, and the detective. And they're kind of following these different clues to try to get themselves to find out where Howard's lair, so to speak, is and to see if they can potentially rescue Wallace and kind of like intervene in whatever is potentially going to happen. And they actually end up stopping at the convenience store that Wallace went to and they start to question the two clerks. Get it? Uh Yeah, I I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I also love how like Johnny Depp before that was like, how'd you pay for gas? Did you prepay for the car? Like comedic relief, you know, like it's funny. We're doing it really a poor justice. Like you have I to know. watch the film because Johnny Depp does an amazing job. <laughs> so there, Guy is very invested because he's been tra- like this is his basically his life's mission, if you will. So yeah, they're at the convenience store and Guy is questioning the clerks and he is kind of asking like, have you seen this man? Blah, blah, blah. And they make a joke. I think they say, oh, mustache, mustache man. man. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we talked to him, whatever. And they tell him that he was going to kind of like the Bifrost area. And they they just keep going back to, oh, it's, it's so funny. Mustache man, mustache man, two hours away. And we get a little flashback of when Wallace is in the store and checking out with the clerks. And he kind of writes some stuff down on a sticky note or a, a little notepad. And he kind of makes a Degrassi mention because... I, I loved that because I watched Degrassi as a young kid. Same. I watch it with my mom. That's weird. Very weird. My mom's very progressive, though. And so she was like, girl, let's watch it. Go for it. <laughs> they ha- Did you know they have Degrassi channel? Where was that when I was watching? I, I was obsessed, especially because one of the girl's characters name Emma, was Emma. So I, know. I loved her. Well, I liked the one with like Emma. That's and, what I watched. And Miriam McDonald, who, played, who played Manny. And Craig, the one that Drake was in. We all here, we're millennials and we loved Degrassi, but Kevin Smith actually was in some of those Degrassi episodes. So that's why he makes Wallace speak about Degrassi and like, oh my God, Canada, because it's it's a Canada-based show. I love it. So he's like, oh my gosh, Degrassi, have you you been to Degrassi? And the girls are like, fuck off, mister. They're like, dumb joke. Dumb joke. (laughs) But... I still love it. And then back to after the flashback, the detective is like, was there a notepad or anything that he wrote on? And he actually gets a hold of the notepad that Wallace used. And I love this because I remember doing this as a kid. Like, Me too. It, like I feel like I don't know when we all learned this, but if you write something in pencil or sometimes even pen on like a notepad or a thin piece of paper, you can sometimes get the indent of it by like turning the page over and then taking a pencil and kind of like shading over it. And you can kind of see like what the indentation was of whatever was written previously. And I love it because it's so smart of the detective and he does just that. And he he doesn't get the exact address, I don't think, of the mansion that Wallace is being captured held at. Captive. Held, held captive at. But he does get the highway, which definitely helps them because they know that wherever Wallace is, is about two hours in any which direction, but they get the highway that he was supposed to be going on. So then they have like a general direction to go in. That's so wild. And like he, he says, I learned that from the Big Lebowski, which is an awesome reference, but like, Amazing. like my mind, even if I knew that my brain is not that fast, I would not have done that. 
And this is why you're a first girl. I'm so I know. sorry. It's okay. Shoot. I know. Because my brain would immediately be like, I would do the same exact thing, I think. No, and I've accepted it. It's fine. <laughs> so then meanwhile, we have Howard and Wallace again. They're actually now in the pool together. And Howard is trying to bond with him as Mr. Tusk. And I just want to point out that Howard is fucking naked. You do not see his whole body or anything, but you do see a point where he gets out of the water and he wraps a towel around himself and he doesn't have anything on. What I will say, and this is kind of gross, is like, not a bad body. (laughs) You know? I love that that was your thought. Not a bad body. I'm the worst. Moving on. So we go kind of back into his flashbacks about his time in the war and his time with the walrus. And correct me if I'm wrong, but did he eat the walrus to stay alive when he was abandoned at sea or whatever? Yes. So this was actually kind of tragic. But just like Ali said, going back to that original story that Howard had told Wallace about why he kind of has this meaningful relationship with walruses, he had this relationship with Mr. Tusk and Mr. Tusk helped to keep him alive while he was lost at sea. And I think it's a mere hours before he was rescued. He finally had to kill Mr. Tusk in order to eat him to stay alive. And then a few hours later was rescued. So I think he also lives with this like regret of like, could I have just stayed alive a few more hours and then Mr. Tusk would still be alive or potentially like he just didn't have to eat him. This is a really weird take, but imagine having to eat or kill your best friend to stay alive. Donner Party. Donner Party. The movie Alive. No, it's it's like that would fuck you up. So I get it. But like. That doesn't excuse making multiple walrus meat sacks. Yeah, like go to therapy, question mark. Or maybe he likes it. So we don't know. Yeah. Anyways, so then, um, (laughs) this is super fun. Howard actually puts on his own fucking walrus suit and uh, says that Wallace needs to fight him like real walruses do. And it literally looks like a walrus sumo wrestling match because they both just literally look like they're in weird walrus costumes, even though Wallace is now unfortunately bound to this walrus body forever. <laughs> what funny, I, funny how that happens. <laughs> so while all this is happening, we have Allie and Teddy and ghee. So weird. Isn't that a yogurt? <laughs> that is a kind of a, a butter. Like, like G-H-E-E is what you're thinking. Yeah, ghee. It's like a very, very healthy butter. So Allie and... Teddy and Gee, they have now discovered this car that they see that's gone into the water. Like, good for them. How the fuck do they deduce that and find that? And they're like, what the fuck? Okay. And now, now we can start to kind of track where he might be. And we get this awesome kind of, would you call it a montage of like when they start to play Tusk by Fleetwood Mac? And then I love this part, too, because they know that they're close, like Ali said, and they get out some guns that Guy has. They're they're both like, what the fuck, guns? They're apprehensive to take the guns. And he's like, what kind of Americans are you? <gasps> and I was, like, I was like, fuck, that is a burn. That hurts me. That, that cuts. Cuts deep. <laughs> Then after we have this amazing, you know, Fleetwood Mac moment, Ali, Teddy and Ghee, they actually end up finding the mansion or at least they're like finding like the property and they end up hearing Wallace screaming 
And they're like, oh, shit. Okay, we have like found where he is. And so they run up to the mansion. They they somehow get in. And they're, again, just trying to like track the screaming. And actually right before Allie and Teddy find Wallace in this like walrus state, during the fight that Wallace and Howard are kind of having this walrus fight. <laughs> Howard says, basically, either kill me or live like a walrus. Interesting. So then Wallace does what he says. He's like, all right, bitch, well, I'm going to kill you. And he stabs Howard in the foot with his tusk. And then he gets a little taste for blood. And then he (laughs) stabs him repeatedly in the torso with his tusks. And then we actually see Howard in this final moment where he tells Wallace, he says, it is accomplished. You are Mr. Tusk. And at this exact moment is when Teddy and Allie and Guy, everyone kind of comes in and they're like witnessing this whole kind of like fight between the two of them. And they're also seeing Wallace for the first time as a fucking walrus. <laughs> and also like, why the fuck did they always come into the last second when you're let the least needed? Totally, totally. And Guy actually has his shotgun and he points it towards Wallace. But then that's it. We don't see anything after that. And then now we're in the next scene. We fade to black and then we go to one year later and we see Allie and Teddy pull up to some random like exotic wildlife sanctuary. Yeah. In Manitoba, Canada. And they're Allie and Teddy are clearly together now. Like he has his arm around her, whatever. And they've obviously been also bonded by this very traumatic event too as well. (laughs) And bonded by their P and V before they even... You're right, P and the V. Before like this even happened. So there's that. Pre-walrus. Pre-walrus. That's amazing. Yes, thank you. P-W. And Allie has like a... What do you, a newspaper like wrapped up of something? And I was like, I bet you any fucking thing that's a a fucking mackerel. mackerel. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. So, this facility of exotic animal sanctuary, it's hard to say, you guys. They, They go there and they go to this little sad, weird pool that's outside, mind you, that's got a little like floaty float and a like a ball. And we can kind of tell that maybe this is where Wallace, the walrus, is now residing. And yeah, we don't see him like immediately. We don't see them immediately. And it's kind of daggers, like sad. At least they still come to visit. I know. But like it's still daggers. And they get really emotional. Like Allie was yeah. crying. She's like, I love you. And Allie is like, yo. She's like, Wallace. It's, Al- it's Allie and it's Teddy. Allie and Teddy. And and that he obviously he doesn't respond or come out and Teddy's like, bro, let's give him the treat. And then they throw him the mackerel that they brought in the newspaper. And that is when he comes out. And then we actually get another flashback here. It's our last one of the film. And it is of Wallace and Allie. And they're talking about crying. And I actually love this part of the film. Like we're going to talk through it, obviously. But in this flashback, Alice and Wally. Wallace and <laughs> Keep that in Holy there. fuck. <laughs> I just short-circuited and I've had a few white claws. You can notice Ali and I have a hard time pronouncing things <laughs> as the podcast goes on. <laughs> did that so, what you're saying? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I did have a surge. So, and he, um, he's, well, he's like talking about, they're talking about crying. And Ali says it's actually good to cry because it's like the one thing that separates us from the animals. It shows you have a good soul. 
And that that kind of goes into our final scene. And Allie actually says, I love you to Wallace. He's kind of emerged from his little cave pool. And we see they're leaving, Allie and Teddy. And we see this little tear come out of the walrus's eye. So now I guess he has a soul. But he also has a big gulp because it's right there. <laughs> Yeah, his cup is right next to the enclosure, which we love a full circle moment. Yeah. (laughs) And to Ollie's point, too, like seeing him cry, it just really wraps it around that like Wallace the human is still very much inside this walrus body. And the poor guy is just this is this is his life now. I'm like, that's it. And then at least somebody's still bringing him big fucking gulps. Yeah. And mackerels. And then, Ali, I don't know if you caught this. Mm. I don't think you did. I did. Did you? I did. Did you? Can I I say it? Can I say it? You can say it. Okay. This film ends with a song being sung, which is Oh, Wally, Wally, performed and produced by Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance, which is one of mine and Ali's favorite bands. That's (laughs) We, Emma and I, danced to one of their songs at my wedding, just her and I. Yep. Yep, it's a special moment. Sorry, so, Kevin. and I don't know if you guys know this, but Allie Genesis or whatever her name is in real life is actually in Umbrella Academy, which Gerard from My Chemical Romance made. Love it. Love it. I also have one last little fun fact before we kind of wrap it up. One thing I thought was also cool too is that Kevin Smith actually also had an idea for a sequel to this film where somehow Wallace would potentially turn himself back into a human and become kind of this new villain, essentially, because now Howard is gone, right? And Smith um, actually made a mention of the title being Tusks, like with an S, like on the end. (laughs) It's giving saw. It's giving saw. And in 22, actually, Justin Long revealed that he had actually been contacted by Kevin Smith about working together on this potential sequel. And like, he's definitely open to it. So let's hope that that is coming out. And also, like we mentioned before, we would love to see a prequel as well. We want to know more about Howard and how he got so fucked up. I think we learned a lot about how he got fucked up, but... But I still want to know more. I'm still yearning. That's on you. Maybe you should reach out to Kevin Smith. Maybe I will. And this is on me. I think something that's kind of cool is after that amazing song by our boy Gerard Way in the ending credits, they go into the actual podcast where they ideate this film. Yes. Yeah. They have like commentary from the podcast that is in the credits, which was really awesome that they included in there just as like a little kind of bonus nugget. Little nugget. But if, yeah, if you're a listener of credits, you can hear them talk about like, oh, shit, we should make a movie about this. So it's kind of interesting to listen to. Yeah. If you want to. And Allie, I know we ask this every film, and I know your answer, but did you think that this film was scary? I don't think this was scary necessarily. I think it was more disturbing. And again, this is my first time seeing it in full. And it's kind of fun to see Justin Long play such a pompous ass, just like we see him in Barbarian, which we'll cover one day. But we, I had Taco Bell at my house during me taking notes and watching this. I couldn't eat it because I was so disturbed. Oh, yeah, I agree. I don't think that it was scary. I think it was just like, yeah, it was just like more of a what the fuck. <laughs> but I kind of totally. love films like that. Yeah. Because kind of going full circle, I know we talked about like our first impressions of the film. But now that I like have seen it, like 
I really do appreciate how creative the storyline was. Totally. Like, I just feel like so many movies nowadays, this is like a qualm that I could go into so deeply, but I will save that for another time. There's only so much reinvention and new ideas and stuff that's like coming out these days in films across genres, not even just horror. And I think horror, a lot of times, a lot of different people follow very similar formulas. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Whatever it is, the reason that you're making films, but I do appreciate that Kevin Smith is always kind of trying to go a little bit out of the box. Totally. Which I I love. I think that what scares me about this one is it's humans doing things that humans can actually do to other humans. Totally. Yeah. Like this could be a thing. And it also kind of plays off of like things we've mentioned previously, like Ed Gein is a real serial killer who literally used parts of different humans to like essentially like make what he wanted to make. Okay, for those who were interested, what this film reminds me of is kind of Human Centipede. I think that this film gets, it definitely gets compared to that film. And then obviously Frankenstein, like he's manufacturing a human. I think the difference here too, and we could get very deep into this, is that most of the time people are probably die in like these cases because of like just the intense surgical well, no. Procedures that are happening. All of these yeah, be that case. And then for more obscure pieces, if you are interested in this kind of genre, is Pieces and May. So Human Centipede. Oh my God, I've seen both of those. Oh my God. Ali, great connections. Thank I'm you. I'm sorry, I'm freaking out right now. Have you seen that? Have you seen May? The doll one, right? Yes. Oh my God. So. Ooh, we should do that. Mostly Human Centipede. Frankenstein's like a whatever, because like Frankenstein, we can connect to everything, but Human Centipede Pieces and May are all kind of like this fucked up, I'm going to make you what I want you to be kind of thing. And that's why it's so scary to me is like, or not so scary, but it's disturbing is humans doing things like this to other humans. Totally. Emma, batch. I love you. I love you. What was your favorite scene in this film? This one was hard because I feel like I had several, but... Honestly, one of my very, very favorite scenes was when he is swimming with Howard as a walrus. That is so weird. (laughs) I just think it's so it's trying to be so light and like innocent and like this bonding experience. But if you like look at it for what it is, it is so fucked up. Like it is a creator and his creation who does not want to be his creation. And he's trying to force this like beautiful interaction and i sort of hate it but love it what's yours mine is prop i mean we touched on this up top but where they play tusk and they have this awesome visual of wallace in his meat sack suit and they're kind of doing this pan and it's just an awesome visual and i love obviously fleetwood mac so i think that we was love mine. Fleetwood. that's probably one of mine too yeah it's just like a good it's a good visual and audio representation of the film i love it yeah i mean guys that's that's pretty much all we have for you today for tusk another shout out to dana and her husband brad we hope that you guys like this episode and this super fucked up movie (laughs) (laughs) thank you for giving this to us yeah this this starts our like justin long love affair because we've been wanting to do some justin long films for a while so one of my personal favorites is jeepers creepers so you can look forward to that one soon ollie's looking at me with like death eyes because she hates that film i do (laughs) But that is going to make a good podcast episode, Ali. I love a differing point of view. And anybody who might know Justin Long, let him know that we would love to have him on the podcast. 
because that's end game here. That is like, I would die happy. I would die happy. And he can bring Sam Rockwell. And Kate Bosworth. And Kate Bosworth. Because that will make Emma's little surfer girl dreams come true. We have a project. That's our project for all you guys. Yeah. We love you all. And please don't forget to follow us on social at Spooky Chicks and Horror Flicks. And if you are so inclined, if you do love the podcast, we would love if you left us a five-star review wherever it is that you listen, whether that is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever. Please leave us a review. It helps us to kind of get out there and just get noticed by people that might be looking for a new podcast to listen to. Happy Leap Day. Don't go to fucking strangers' houses. And stay spooky, fuckers.